GSMA rightfully said that 5G denotes a new era in which connectivity will be tailored precisely to the needs of the business applications. The proliferation of 5G is expected to dramatically grow the market for private wireless networks. But what does IT leaders need to know before jumping on the private 5G bandwagon? What enterprise applications are already taking advantage of this revolutionary technology? And what are the barriers to its mass market adoption? Let's find out. Hi guys, this is your host Ashish Jain and you're listening to the Alignment Podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact. Meet my guest for today's podcast, Roy Timoruso, the Chief Revenue Officer at Pente Networks. He has led marketing and business development efforts at many tech companies including NEC, Nuance, Ribbon, Fring and Mavenir. Roy specializes in enterprise solutions, and today we are going to discuss some of the practical challenges enterprise IT teams face in adopting private wireless networks. So let me welcome Roy Timor-Russo. Roy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Great. So Roy, you've been involved in the enterprise communication space for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. We also had an opportunity to even work together at Ribbon when we launched Candy. So what excited you to shift to this new domain of private wireless networks? Well, this this domain of private networks, I think I think it's exciting because these days we're actually starting to think about private networks as um, displacing Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi on steroids, so to speak. So, from something that you would think of only you know the big telcos using to something that my farm, my uh, logistics sites, my um, factory. Uh, is something that is usable, and it's not just usable, it's, it's actually providing me a lot of assets. Okay. So, I mean, enterprises are not new to the idea of private networks. In fact, I mean, all their networks mm-hmm. are pretty much private, I mean, per se. I mean, they've used um, cellular, not as much, but they've been using Wi-Fi. They have tried DAS in terms of improving their wireless mm-hmm. coverage in their buildings. I mean, what's what's exciting for them in this space now? Well, I think that what we see is a, a combination of three verticals or three axes. The first one is that there is a market need, mostly because of the maturity of uh, business requirement. Uh, think about uh, autonomous vehicles or forklifts on one hand. Think about the need of um, uh, uh, providing broadband to all kind of underserved areas. Um, think about uh, very straightforward scenarios of, uh, of technologies to do HD camera to proliferate the information across areas in, in wide areas and low latency. Things that, that the, the businesses come from. And that goes uh, hand in hand with uh, the maturity of the technology. So now we, we can bring 4G and 5G much more easy and cheaper to the enterprise. And all that comes together with, uh, with the regulation that uh, provides unlicensed spectrum. So now I can actually, as an enterprise, own the spectrum or at least get a license for the spectrum in a way that previously I was uh, bound by whatever the, the carrier was willing to share with me. Now, it doesn't mean that that, that, that doesn't exist in other places, obviously, but it just means that it became something much more accessible to a simple IT guy. And you don't need to be a telecom engineer to be able to benefit from that. 
And I think that's, that's one of the very clear distinguishing points between uh, Wi-Fi, public networks, and now private cellular networks. And why can't they do it? I mean, I, I understand autonomous. I mean, autonomous vehicles may be a stretch, but I mean, a lot of the operational technology um, that are generally implemented in enterprise, especially in, mm-hmm. in industrial industrial settings, I mean, they're they're not as, you know, they don't move as much. I mean, I can right. still have a, an Ethernet cable coming to them and still get a very good bandwidth to provide the connected experience in this. Yeah. Yeah, but what you see and what we experience from our partners, from our customers, is it's, it's a combination of several things. The first thing is to be able to do guaranteed latency, guaranteed bandwidth for an endpoint um, with much less real estate. Real estate meaning the number of antennas, actual physical antennas per square meter or square uh, 100 meters. Um, and, and also... Should be surprised or not, but the security of Wi-Fi, whether rightfully so or not, is not perceived as secure compared to what I can provide you with 4G and 5G. Now, all of that together um, translate into into a business need, and and we have we have I'll just give you a couple of examples. We have a factory, a chemical factory, um, in the desert that uh, needs to stretch to several square kilometers. So they're trying to use industry-grade Wi-Fi, so to stuck a pole every 300 meters. But the problem was that they had to uh, maintain those uh, uh, Wi-Fi posts all the time because of the severe temperature and wind and salt and whatnot. And basically, we replaced something like around 25 antennas with a single... Uh, Samsung uh, private uh, cellular network antenna, and and that provides a much better solution, right? So mm-hmm. I think this is a this is a, a classic example. Another example we see we have a, an airport um, uh, in the U.S. where where we replace uh, again something like 200 Wi-Fi routers with seven antennas, and again the whole idea there is not that you need better, faster. You need more reliable connectivity with less footprint, and that's that's again an example you can think of. And then and then you have underserved areas, and again we have, we are working with a school district in in, in Texas in Dallas and uh, campus in Washington and other universities, and they're replacing or in process to coexist and replace their Wi-Fi networks with uh, CBRS Wi-Fi uh, cellular networks. And uh, therefore, um, and therefore, the, the the solution there is both security, but more secure, but also you need uh, less uh, footprint, and you get better coverage. And for underserved area, it means that actually I don't need to dig fiber in the ground. So you see different use cases, but all of them combined together goes into the same four things: less footprint, better security. Guaranteed quality of service and better total cost of ownership. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to these two points, um, the last two points you mentioned. But before that, I'm going to ask you. I mean, introducing a new network comes with new challenges, new complexities as well, and and a new ecosystem, right? Which means I now need to think about my device ecosystem. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm replacing Wi-Fi. I mean, Wi-Fi. So I mean. 
so prevalent uh, everything has a wifi um chipset in and devices and it's just plug and play i mean i don't really have to do much now mm-hmm. introduce something new and i have to think about sim card i have to think about devices that support this spectrum or not and what not i mean thoughts on that yeah well to be largely clear it's always it will be a, always a combination for us so we see a medical center they will have a mix and match they will have an mri machine that has a 5g or 4g modem built in and and with the ability to use eSIM just by scanning a code and you will have hd cameras um with building uh cbrs modems but you will also have the personnel walking around with wifi tablets and this type of solution means that you can mix and match and you will have cps and we are supporting not just us anyone in the industry does that cps that can get cbrs omit 4g or 5g and also wifi so i i think that we 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 see coexisting and depend on the use case and and and, I, and and again i'll go back to that school district because i think it's a, it's a good way to illustrate that the school district in dallas texas their students the ones that have uh um a brand new ipad or a brand new iphone or or an lg device will be able to connect directly through their cbrs or 4g or 5g modem but your laptop has wifi and either i will buy if whatever the reason i want to buy a 5g modem or an lte modem but i will also have to connect over wifi because the cpes will support both and that's a classic type of use case you have a mix and match and if you're on wifi i can give you certain quality of service but if you are on connected directly to the lte modem through the lte modem i will give you also quality of service guaranteed bandwidth guaranteed latency and whatever your it manager bands you to have so are we saying then i mean <clears throat> one of the scenarios i've also seen roy is you're bringing in um a wireless connectivity instead of a fixed connectivity into your building but then from that point onwards you can continue to imp- i mean you can use that as the last mile to your device or you can mm-hmm. still have an intermediate kind of a router and convert that into mm-hmm. wifi for the rest of the devices in the building yeah yeah absolutely think remember that character factor i mentioned yeah. so the, the way that we do it so obviously for for the um uh, the gal this chemical factory has uh um uh, rigs that harvest the minerals for for all the and there are like 10 square kilometers around the factory so we have uh, a private cellular network all the way to those rigs back and forth back and forth and for the accounting department we have a cpe from credit point that uh that receives 4g and emits wifi right because mm-hmm. in a single site you have different use cases right i'm working in accounting i don't need lte guaranteed latency and quality of service but i do need connectivity to uh do whatsapp with my girlfriend something right and i want to do the same thing great 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 so how mature is the device ecosystem now uh, in terms of supporting 4g and 5g modems so let's let's separate between 5g and 4g First of all, um, 95, the use cases, 
that we have in the market are actually 4G. Commercially, they are 4G because the cost of 4G equipment is very competitive and is benchmarked against uh, industry Wi-Fi versus uh, 5G equipment, which is very expensive compared to 4G and to, to Wi-Fi. So this ecosystem, if, you, if we're talking about private cellular networks, absolutely. There is, there's equipment there from uh, CPEs from Point. Uh, and radio from Mavenir and Samsung and Ericsson and Nokia and Airspan and Rad and whoever, and Huawei, of course, and, and all the players you can think of, dedicated for enterprise networks. And you have eSIMs and SIM cards and, and edge machines and whatnot. For 5G, you do have, but they're still expensive. And I expect that in the next 18 months, we'll see those prices going down uh, um, considerably to make it much more um, accessible and affordable for enterprises and not just for carriers. Okay. And and when we talk about devices, you we're talking about end-user devices, so be it an IoT sensor or be it an MRI machine or a laptop, which will support these, right? That's the CPU we're talking about right now. Well, um, yes and no. Uh, and I know I'm, I'm a bit contradicting myself. So if you are in a hospital, your, your MRI machine will have a 5G modem. No-brainer, it's it, it, yet another $20 doesn't make a difference, right? Um, and, and I can use it. But um, I wouldn't apply the same rule on my consumers within my, my enterprise space. So we will, we, what we see is that the, the CPEs are the ones who I'm worried about. CPE, actually, I'm talking about a, a cradle point type of device, right? Which is... Which an LTE router, LTE or a five G exactly. router, exactly, and our five G or LTE router. That that is the device I wanted to to be able to support. Now, if you have, a, and then if your Xbox, if your MRI, if your tablet, if your TV has a five G modem, amazing. But that's not a requirement. Actually, a requirement that you have either Wi Fi or or uh, an LTE modem. If you are the MRI you have to have an LTE modem minimum because I want to have the security and the quality of service. Interesting. Okay. Great. That's, that's a great point. All right. So talking about enterprises, right, and I mentioned about the complexity, right, it is, it is a new. I mean, even Wi-Fi for that matter, I mean, people think Wi-Fi is plug and play. It is not. I mean, anyone who is in the business of Wi-Fi, installing Wi-Fi, deploying Wi-Fi for enterprise networks, I mean, ask them, right? It's not, it's not yeah. as simple. Um, yeah. And now we're talking about cellular networks, which is completely a new domain for IT people. And mm-hmm. how easy or difficult it is for them to even, first of all, understand or um, and think about going in this space. I mean, when you are having those meetings, um, are you... Uh, give us some story, in fact, right? I mean, if you can, uh, of where, what, what has actually shocked you, I mean, shocked you in your interactions with enterprises, whether it was like, wow, they know a lot more than I thought they do, or wow, they need to know a lot more <laughs> before they will make this decision. Yeah. So I, I want to I wanna backpedal for a second. And I, I will put out a statement that you might, contra- you might, you might push back on it. And I would say the following. I don't think IT needs to understand anything about telecom. Anything. Not even a bit. He should or she 
should not know anything about 3GPP, uh, EPC, HLR, and uh, any other abbreviation you can think of. He speaks VPN, he speaks API, that's what she continued to speak. And, and I think that is a key success factor to whoever wants to make private cellular network truly successful and accessible in the enterprise space. Okay, makes sense. Makes perfect sense to me. And I think that's what uh, made the Wi-Fi space also grow when people started offering managed Wi-Fi services. Exactly, exactly. So what we're trying to do, and, we're, and obviously we're not the only one, I think everyone in the industry trying to do is to hide under the hood mobile core and 3GPP protocols and wrap this with a set of APIs and portals and VPNs and anything that uh, would be understood out of the gate from, by the IT guys and the system integrators. So when I'm going to meetings with SIs uh, or enterprise IT guys, I am doing everything in my power not to speak telecom. And when they ask me, uh, you know, do I need uh, managed services? Do I need training? I, I said, you know, guys, if you need how to operate VPNs, uh, APIs, you should be pretty much, on, you know, good to go. I'm not overselling to them. It's not as easy as to install a Wi-Fi router because we're not that mature, but that's the path that we're going and that's the way we are. We're trying to set up everything. Um, um, and you are absolutely right that when we're going into meetings, there are concerns like, do I need to hire new people? Do I need to hire IT, uh, next generation IT guys, meaning telco guys, telco engineers? I'm saying, no, we, we have no expectation like that from you. On the contrary, we don't want you to think that way. It's our job in life to make that as simple as using a Wi-Fi router. That's a great point. I think that's that's what is needed. So what does the decision cycle look like for enterprises well, today? Well, I'll give you two extremes, right? And they're extremes. Uh, the most extreme example we had, and, and, and even though I, I would love to say that's our day-to-day, -day, that would not be true. It's the exception to the rule. It's two weeks. And two weeks is because uh, one of our enterprises is a university in the States called Howard University, and their, their network was ransomware. Uh, and they had twice. And, you know, a university during Corona, where more than 50% of the students are connected remotely over, over network and the Wi-Fi is down, is something pretty, you know, pretty, pretty extreme. So they decided overnight to, to rip off completely uh, and trash the Wi-Fi network and ask us through our system integrators to install uh, uh, an LTE network for all the students across the campus and around the campus. And they told us, we don't care how you do it, you have to do it within two weeks. So what, what made them think that uh, ripping off Wi-Fi and putting LTE will be any better? Security. Okay. Because... They were hacked twice, twice and kidnapped twice, and said that we can no longer trust Wi-Fi. In our example, you know, in this specific campus, and and we want something which is much more uh, private and secure, and 
LTE type of private network provide much better security than, 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 than Wi-Fi. And following the footsteps, we have other campuses that are doing the same. Now, deploying a, a private network across campus with 10,000 students and numerous classrooms is, is not standard procedure, right? It doesn't happen every day for us. That was, that was and still is a very special. A typical sales cycle, decision-making process like this, probably about three months. Okay, and, and what are they deciding on? What are the, what are the considerations? What do they look for? Well, they, they, look for, they look for, it's still kind of a blue ocean. So what we see is early adopters. What we see is where there's a, a clear or pretty clear uh, short falling of Wi-Fi because I think that chemical factory or if I'm opening a new department branch to my logistical site, and, um, and, and now I need to deploy 100 Wi-Fi routers, I'm looking for a better solution, that type of things. Or if I'm a farmer, and we have a couple of those, which um, I, have no, uh, I have no people willing to work in farming anymore because it's hard work. So I have no choice but to bring technology, to bring uh, sensors, cameras, um, to bring autonomous tractors, to bring all kind of machinery that otherwise I wouldn't. So, and, and Wi-Fi doesn't, doesn't cut it. So I would say that the decision factors falls usually under the three categories that kind of we touched base before. Wi-Fi doesn't cut it because I need quality of service or I need better, um, better um, I would say, physical footprint. That or, or less footprint than I get from, from Wi-Fi, and I need better security, and if all that can be cheaper, even better. Is it cheaper, though? Well, I think, well, you know what, I'll, I'll say the following. In the use cases that I just mentioned, yes. In each and every use case, probably not. I, think it, I don't think that's fair to say. Uh, but, you know, at that chemical factory that I mentioned, at that farm, in, in Napa Valley, in that logistical site, um, uh, in the school district in, in Dallas, absolutely. In all those cases, if I lay out the alternative, it will be cheaper. And, and you know, I, I can lay out the very, very simply. Um, 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 chemical factory, the 20, 20 poles of uh, Wi-Fi routers and everything involved with that. Uh, in school districts, laying out fiber will take ages and cost millions. And, and so forth. So these use cases is easy to show. If I would say that every use cases, of course not. And and what and what what are the elements that are in use cases where it makes sense and makes it cheaper? What are the main elements that drives the cost down? Number of uh, antennas. The need to pave in the ground to to actually do constructions. Um, the, the need of uh, um, quality of service. So to get the same quality of service, if I can, and it goes back into the number of antennas, do, how many antennas do I need? How much footprint? How much cabling? Do I need, to, do, do I need to, to bring contractors to build in the ground more tunnels? Uh, how long will it take me? How much will it cost me? 
how how costly it is to maintain it. So these are the variables that, that you know um, an IT guy or or the financial guys at the organization look at. Right. No, I think these are all great points, Roy. Um, I'm going to shift a little bit and and ask you how mature is this industry right now in terms of deployments or solutions maturity? Uh, one thing is, is great when people are getting excited. I, I see a lot of excitement. I see a lot of momentum happening. Um, when it is actually in works in enterprises, according to you, mm-hmm. what problem is yet to be solved? First of all, it's not mature, and I think it's that's part of what exciting is exciting about. It. I think it's it's blue ocean. I think it's early days. I think we're we're seeing the early adopters, not the laggers, um, and 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 it's exciting. It's fun, uh, but it also means that, as you said, there are funny problems, right? And part of it, for example, is our planning, right? Because we don't do like like if when you're a carrier, every base station you plan it like every possible place, right? You plan it and you plan it and you test it and whatnot. For an enterprise, we train the SI, the system integrator, uh, which tell them how what RF planning is, and then we count on them. And then the enterprise itself does uh, the installation of the radio, and sometimes they do funny things with it, not because they're stupid, it's just because they don't have experience with it. And then you get all, all kind of weird results. And, and they, they call to the SI, which turns back and talks to us, and we're trying to scratch our head, what, what's wrong with it? The other thing is, the other, so, so, but, but that's, that's kind of easy to solve. Um, the other thing we see about it uh, with the lack of maturity is that at the end of the day, there, there are um, there's a limited number of uh, radios and edge machines and sync card, but it's still in days. So the competition is not that sophisticated just yet. And it will, but it's not yet. Hmm. And there are not as many system integrators who are expert in installing private networks to be that competitive and accessible in the industry because it's early days. So even if I'm, I don't know, let's, let's say I'm in Houston, I live in Houston or I live in um, Santa Clara, I might have one or two or three system integrators that can install and operate and support my private network, but I won't have 20 to choose from. So early market, early days, pros, cons, and the technology is still evolving. If you come to me tomorrow and say, you know what, I want a 5G network in the US, I will tell you, I'm sorry, I can't do that for you because the regulation, FCC has released CBRS as LTE only. Next year, or maybe later this year, we'll have 5G. Again, early days. All the uh, narrative about private 5G network is all a myth right now. In the U.S., yeah, of course, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I have, I, we have more private five G installs, commercial deployment outside than the U.S. Than the U.S. Actually, we have zero in the U.S. We have none because Cyberus is LTE only. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> how about the carriers playing in that market and offering private five G as a, as a, as a whatever you know? They have Spectrum. I mean, they they bring it part of their solution. 
Yeah, yeah, they do. So, um, first of all, there the, the are players in this domain. Uh, we are working with some of the carriers, uh, not in the US, outside the US, uh, on license spectrum, not the license spectrum. Uh, AT&T, uh, Verizon, um, Tino, I mean, they, they will be players of that, but they are ill-equipped, generally speaking, to work directly with enterprises on things like that. And there's a building um, concern or hesitation from enterprises to give uh, uh, Verizon to manage their core network. And it's like, um, I'm not sure I want someone to run my business on their, on its public network. Hmm. If you, if, and and I, I've, I've met that more than once. It's like, it's one thing that, you know, um, that, you know, I'm using AT&T just as an example, right? Uh, to, to watch Netflix in my house and in, in my office, but to have my core business run on your network, public network, and then if you're doing maintenance, you're going to bring down my network because you need to do maintenance and you'll give me like three hours notice, things like that. And, and by the way, it happened. It's not science fiction. It happened uh, to one of our partners. Um, so there is a building hesitation. I'm not saying it's but, not but how, so. how is that any different? I mean, the carriers have been providing network to enterprises since day one. I mean, the whole idea of somebody else providing a network to enterprises is actually fairly new. I would, I would have imagined the concern about somebody new uh, or an SI coming into space and say, mm. I'm going to put your network and I'm going to manage your network would be more concerning than saying, hey, I've been buying MPLS network. I've been buying broadband network from Verizon AT&T for I mean, ever since I know connectivity in my enterprise yeah. and yeah. trusting them on an extended a wireless network because I see their wireless network everywhere. And, oh, wow, okay, they can do the same thing for me. I mean, price point may be an issue, right? I mean, because of whatever reason or the whole... Uh, control versus, you know, how much do I control? Do I get, you know, too dependent on them? That might be an issue, but I mean, relying them or relying on them and trusting them to, on the network, I, I never thought about that will be an issue. Well, let me, let me portray a picture for you. If you're the DOD working with at and it's a no-brainer, right? And, and if you're the DOD, you will probably, unlikely work with me, right? I'm just being straightforward. But you are um, a logistical, a small logistical site in Arkansas. And you've been working with Roy's IT services to manage your Wi-Fi for the last 10 years. Because I'm managing your Wi-Fi, I'm doing all the installations, and then you used to work with me. And now you need to, you want to move to private network. You will come to me as your, as your SI much more easily than to go to the big AT&T provider with all the concerns because it feels much more like the same and there's one throat to choke, there's one person to talk to, there's everything that I'm used to and feel comfortable with with my existing SI. No, that, 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 that I agree with you, right? I mean, the, right? the, the stepping stone, I mean, the, the step the enterprise has to take seems more closer 
for them as if you know mm-hmm. they're upgrading their wi-fi to a next generation something else right and it right. makes more sense for them to say okay i've been working with xyz i mean these are the guys who did it for me let me ask them if they can uh, they have the skill set to do this for me or right. not right that makes that makes perfect sense so all right um all right what would be and now we're coming to an end here um what would be your final word of wisdom to enterprises to wisdom ooh no no that's a high <laughs> high street to climb on um I, I would say to an enterprise, um, I would say to an enterprise that private seller networks are a very lucrative, not lucrative, they're a very quality-driven alternative or coexisting alternative to Wi-Fi to a growing business. And the benefits you can get from it out number any of the concern you may have and I would recommend that you talk to your local SI and and just have a, a, an open discussion about those options because I think you as an enterprise will be pleasantly surprised with what you can get from it um, at, at the very uh, competitive price cost compared to what you're paying today on your existing network. Okay, and when they should not worry about private network? Just final question. If they should not worry about you, sir? Yeah, when when they should not say, okay, this is this is the right choice for you for this particular. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I think I think. Look, I'm not talking about you know we better than others or competition. No, I'm talking about generally speaking. You should not be concerned. You should you should embrace that. You should be uh, excited about it. I mean. Um, I wish I could. I wish I could share with you the picture I had with um, uh, the image I had in my head. I have in my head when we deployed in, in Napa Valley for this um, farmer, this 80-year-old farmer, um, uh, vineyards, um, a private network, a CBRS network with uh, LG, uh, with uh, Samsung radio for his uh, IoT sensors for watering the field. Because then he was driving every day, hours, to, to, to decide if he needs to irrigate the, the fields. And now he had sensors, and um, uh, we provided the, the connectivity. And he was so happy. And he said, you know, I, it, for me, it's black magic. I don't really care how that works. But all I know, I don't need to drive around the fields for two hours a day. Right? And, and I think at the end of the day, it, it, that's what it is. That it needs to provide what your business needs. And you need to have it uh, at, at a cost that makes sense to you, and it's to provide you just value add. That's it. Now, those I think I think that's a that's a perfect closing, Roy. You put a smile on his face, and you reduce his time uh, to commute, and that's that's a real value that you, people can count on. And it's great. It's a great, great example. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. It was a great discussion. Thank you. It was great fun. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Great discussion, Roy. Thanks for sharing several deployment examples of CVRS-based private cellular network and realistic view on its readiness. Your comment that private cellular networks should become as simple as using APIs and VPNs is intriguing. I hope the industry gets there soon. Once again, thank you. I'm sure your practical insights will benefit many of our listeners. 
Thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the Alignment Podcast on your favorite platform. It's A L Y N M E N T. We hope you will continue the conversation by asking questions and sharing your thoughts on the readiness of private cellular networks in the enterprise. Feel free to reach out to me at ashish.jain at kairospulse.com or drop me a note on my LinkedIn. Till next time, adios.